and welcome. My name is Harmony Miller and I am your host here on What the Actual F. If you're new here, this is a podcast where I like to talk about paranormal things, conspiracy theories, a lot of true crime, and if that's your thing, you should definitely stick around. This case today that I want to tell you guys about is actually currently going on. So, yeah. Today we're going to talk about the recently recently very very recently developing case of Suzanne Morphew now again if you are new here a lot of these podcasts have a, a graphic warning there's their crimes and yeah so there is your warning this is a case about a woman who is missing currently and there is a lot of speculation out there on what happened to Suzanne. As far as this case, I think I said Susan in the beginning and it's Suzanne. As far as this case goes, there isn't a mass amount of information out there. I went digging to get all that I absolutely can. And I'm going to do my best to tell you in as much of an order that I can. But please bear with me because this it just it's a mess and there's so much information that's not being released and then is more like there's you'll you'll understand <laughs> some people especially early on believe that the slow leak of information was actually done on purpose but we'll we'll address that most likely at some point let's let's get into this this case takes place in Salida, Colorado. I really hope I'm saying that correctly. Crazy because we were literally just talking about Colorado in a few podcasts ago for all my listeners that stick around. The Shanann and Chris Watts case. And by the way, if you have not seen the documentary about the Watts case that is on Netflix, The American Murder, The Family Next Door, I 100% recommend that you watch that. But okay, Back to the case. Today, as I mentioned, we are back in Colorado, in the town of Salida, where on May 10th, Mother's Day of this year, Suzanne Morphew vanished. Now, Salida seems like, uh, honestly, an incredible place to live. They have the largest indoor hot springs in the country. The Arkansas River also runs right through Salida, and it's known for rafting and kayaking, fishing, hiking, you know. It's just, it really does seem like a pretty great place. So it's no surprise that this is the place that the Morphew family wanted to live. So in 19, I'm sorry, in 2018, they moved to Salida from Arcadia, Indiana. Now, the more you get into this case, the more bizarre it truly starts to get. Suzanne, who is 49, married her husband in 1994. Her husband is Barry Morphew, who I believe is around 52. Um, together, they had two daughters, Macy and Mallory. The Morphews live in this beautiful $1.5 million home, or what I would just call it what it is, mansion. Absolutely. The home is, it's pretty remote, surrounded by lots of trees. There's mountain scenery, not a lot of neighbors that are invisible sights, but a neighbor is exactly who initially reported Suzanne missing, 70-year-old Janine Ritter. She called the police at around 5.45 p.m. that Sunday, saying that Suzanne had gone out for a bike ride earlier in the day and still hadn't returned. Now, some people have questioned how Janan would have known this as their houses weren't exactly right next door, as some articles actually make it seem. When you read about this case in some articles, they make it sound as though the Morphews are living in like a, a housing community sort of place where the houses are basically right next to each other and you can like, you know, wave your hand over your fence and talk to your neighbor, allowing you just to see like everything with the neighbor, like, with your neighbor's house. But that's not actually the case when it comes to the Morphew's house. It seems though Suzanne's daughters are actually the ones who called Janine saying that now this was what, by the way, was first claim is that the daughters called Janine saying that they were having a hard time reaching their mom 
and asked if Janine could go and check on her, which makes us ask, where were Macy and Mallory and Barry at the time on that Sunday, also on Mother's Day? Barry reportedly owned a landscaping company when he lived in Indiana and was currently a Chaffee County volunteer firefighter. He did still do landscaping work on the side, however, in Colorado. Relatives told CBS4 that Barry had been in Denver on that Sunday, taking part in some kind of training, training that is connected to his firefighting. But Chief Firefighter Bertram, Bertram, sorry, does state Barry is a volunteer firefighter, but claims that due to the coronavirus pandemic, our firefighters have not been attending any trainings sponsored by us. That is a quote directly from him. He then said, he did say that sometimes the firefighters will pay for their own training courses, but he had heard that Barry was actually out in Denver on landscaping job. And Bertram also said that he never knew Barry to be dishonest, saying, quote, if Barry Morphew tells you something, you believe it. So right now, what we have learned is that the daughters of Suzanne Morphew called their neighbor Janine and that Barry originally had stated he was going to Denver for firefighter training courses and we're gonna find out that's not actually the case. Barry and Suzanne were both well liked in their community and active members of their church and according to many who knew Suzanne it was common for her to go on set bike rides especially on Sunday morning before attending church. Now Macy and Mallory were not home either Macy does have an Instagram, and on May 9th, she posted a photo with the location tag as Idaho and the caption, Mountain Getaway. And when they couldn't get a hold of their mom on the way home from this camping trip is when they reached out. Again, initially, it was claimed that they contacted Janine themselves. Once police got the call, they began searching for the missing woman, Chaffee County Sheriff John Spezzi, Spezzi, I'm not sure how to say his last name correctly, gave a comment that both the Colorado Bureau of Investigation and the FBI are actively working together on this investigation, launching searches by foot, air, water, drone, and canine. Now, I've read some contradicting reports on if Barry had contact with Janine in the beginning, but... It, it, ha it, it was claimed that he may have been the one that reached out and then it was actually verified and we'll get into it that the daughters had reached out. But Barry is the one who in, in the end actually called Janine and asked her to go check. And when both cars were in the garage, he, she then lets him know this. He asked her to go and check if Suzanne's bike was there. And guess what? You're going to be shocked, I know, it was not. This is where the narrative of Suzanne going missing on a bike ride began. Police did find Suzanne's bike, which was confirmed to be her bike by her nephew, Trevor Noel. Trevor had been a off and on unofficial spokesperson on the case for a while. Her bike was located on a bridge near her home, just west of County Road 225 and Highway 50, along with an undisclosed additional personal item. Uh, ah, sorry, words. Item. I'm still having trouble here. <laughs> item of Suzanne's. Wow, and I am a podcast host. Can't even do words. Oh, goodness. Now, the condition of the bike hasn't been revealed by the police, but you're going to learn that some people think that they know the condition of the bike. When Trevor announced in interviews that he did in a way that caused a lot of theories and conjecture, there are a lot of people actually in this family that just a lot of things start to... Okay. 
basically people of speaking of the family were saying that they, they couldn't really say a lot about what had been found and they definitely couldn't share the condition of her bike but they did clarify that it was found which has led people to wonder about why like why can't you share this bike's condition what's going on with that and why like why must you withhold it don't you want to make maybe someone saw something or you know just something like why are they holding it sheriff john spezzy 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 i'm sorry spezzy i don't know brought in dive teams and even asked residents to hold on to their security and doorbell footage from may 8th until around may 12th in case they it was i think it was yeah may 12th because I, I remember when i first read that i was like that's okay i get that in case they needed to review this to see if they could see something, maybe Suzanne was on there. Now, it's a bit difficult to pin down exactly when Suzanne went missing, since no one actually saw her on her bike. That like th that Sunday, nobody saw Suzanne go out on her bike. She wasn't seen. When the case was first released, it was made to sound as though her neighbor had seen her on her bike and then just not seeing her come back. So when it started getting late, she got worried and she called the police. But again, no one actually saw Suzanne leave on her bike that morning. The last time I believe Suzanne was actually heard from was Saturday. There's now there's a lot here with how and when she was seen and heard from. So Bear with me, you guys, on this timeline and how I'm going to set this up because the way this information is coming out being a current case is not easy to put in a bunch. And I haven't, I as I'm making this, I haven't fully got to see if there's new, like more news, but I'm waiting to possibly do an update later. That way I can just do it all in one fell swoop. Um, the last time that I believe Suzanne was actually heard from was Saturday and neighbor Mary Branson, who lives next door to a home built by Barry Morphew, says that there was some sort of noise that shot her out of bed when she heard a strange sound coming from a construction site on that night, that, that Saturday stating the noise sounded like machinery or construction equipment and lasted for about, I don't know, a half an hour is around what she's stating. The family did request to stay out of the residence when it was searched, by the way, after you know Mary or Suzanne was reported missing. And Barry Morphew's vehicle and cell phone were taken by investigators as soon as he returned from Denver. Now, the neighbor that heard those sounds, she was like the neighbor of a construction site that Barry Morphew was basically running. And that's why it kind of seemed like it needed to be mentioned and shared. The neighbors have said that they live in a safe neighborhood. Some don't even lock their doors, which I have never lived in a neighborhood that I, well, also I, I just don't wanna leave my door unlocked, so. But I guess if you're living out as far and remote as this is, I, that, that could be understandable. I lock my door when I go walk my dogs. I live in Tampa, you know. I guess there's just places for everything. Uh, but they, they feel safe there. And they wondered, like, maybe, maybe Suzanne fell victim to a, a wild animal attack. Because this is in Colorado. There are a ton of just things that could have happened is what they're stating. Mountain lions are actually known to be, though, around this area. And that, however, is kind of disproved by the police. See, John Spezzy, Spezzy, John S. <laughs> believes this is very unlikely that a mountain lion or a animal attacked Suzanne. As first, we, we really... Okay. I'm, I'm going to go back to Barry here because he's a big player in this. At first, we really weren't hearing anything from Barry, but we were getting from Suzanne's family 
some information and it was coming from her nephew and I believe her brother comes in at some point. We'll get there. Barry, though, he did, however, release a pre-recorded video pleading for Susan's safe return because, you know, it was his wife. Um, he does look morose in the video, but he also doesn't. It, it seems like a fake look of despair. He says, oh, Suzanne, if anyone can hear this that has you, please, I'll do whatever it takes to bring you back. We miss you. The girls need you. No questions asked. However much they want, I will do whatever it takes to get you back. I love you. I just want you back so bad. That's what he says. That is all he says in his very first public response to what is happening. The video is very short and almost to me seems like a, what I would say is a, like an ad campaign of sorts. I don't, I can't, it's just, it doesn't seem, I don't know. It says like, if you look at his body language, he, he's been, it's been talked about that when you see this video, you know, he talks very, I want to say like he's like quiet, you know, just like, mm. and he shakes his head. No, when stating he wants Suzanne back. Sorry, I'm like smacking my hands here. Like body language can say a lot. And when he says he just wants Suzanne back, his head shakes no. So subconsciously he's like, mm -mm, I do not want that. Or, you know, it's not going to happen. So that's, that's just a little fishy to me. People begin to speculate that he may actually know more, though, about her disappearance because Barry's a little bit freaking sketchy. You know, okay, I don't know. We don't always know how someone is going to react in these situations. But Barry does seem very suspicious, you know? And that may be why he's not really trying to trip himself up like Chris Watts did and many others have. So maybe that's why he's kind of just staying back and just laying low. When people go missing like this, the, the spotlight of suspicion often falls on the significant other. They always tend to start closest to the victim and then spread out. I, I tend to think of it like, you, you know, a lot of things happen close to you. If you are killed most of the time, if you're murdered, it is done by somebody close to you. It's often someone that knows you. But that also, it's to me, it always makes you think of car accidents. You are more likely to get in a car accident within five miles of your home. So it's ten, a lot of bad things can happen close to you. That's why I don't have any friends. When, so, you know, when people go missing, the suspicion always falls usually on the significant other. And sometimes they are guilty, as we know. And also sometimes social media drags them through an unjustified action of portrayal of guilt. And we've seen this happen. We know it happens. We live in a society we are so quick to judge. We are cancel motherfucking culture. But how justified is that when we don't always know? Sometimes this is, you know, it is, sometimes it's true. Sometimes, you know, like we saw with Scott Peterson, he played this victim of a husband. He missed his wife so much. And lo and behold, he had killed her and she was pregnant and he had a mistress. You know, this shit happens. But also, sometimes they're not guilty. We do state as a society, like we all believe, especially if you are into true crime and you hear how people react, we always do say, but you never know. You never know how you're going to react. So sometimes they're being strange and sometimes they're just broken. And I can tell you right now, with somebody who has mental health issues, sometimes I might seem like, hmm, you good? You okay? And the answer is often no. So I can't imagine how I would react if something like this happened. Is it possible, though, that Barry does know more? Let's, let's talk about that. 
A scenario has been thrown around in which the bike was just a way to set up the timing and that the real crime happened much earlier than that Sunday morning. Barry has seemed to want to stay out of his wife's disappearance, at least publicly. Now, Suzanne's family provided information to Profiling Evil. Her husband, Barry, said he was out of town setting up for a landscaping job in Denver. See, he is not doing a course for firefighting, as apparently one source had stated. So Barry is already on a real strong foot of the truth right here, you know? Just, well, I'm going to do a course for firefighting. Actually, we've got a job. So he's in, he's got to go to Denver for this job. Last time he saw Suzanne was when he left that morning. He claims that she was sleeping and he left around 5 a.m. and she, everything was fine. Their daughters were on their camping trip and they last heard from their mom on Friday, May 8th. On May 9th, that Saturday, some people did report that she had been in communication with them, you know, talking, texting, and it has been confirmed that she was communicating with one of her closest friends that Saturday as well. They were actually talking about an upcoming wedding that they were both going to attend. They were texting back and forth until Suzanne just suddenly went silent. Suzanne has not reached out to that friend and they were attending, like planning to go to this wedding. So, you know, that's a little odd because she's disappeared and then she is just like, no, guess what? I'm just not going to go. I decided in the middle of a conversation, I'm just going to peace out on life. That seems, that just seems, that seems fishy, dude. So she didn't seem to be thinking of disappearing on her own accord is what I'm basically stating right there. If you, if you didn't catch that gist, you, you catch my drift? At the time of Suzanne's disappearance, Barry's company was working on the construction site that I had told you about. It's about 12 miles from the Morphew home. So that Saturday night, her text suddenly stopped. Just, she's not there. And then the neighbor next door to the site of Barry's construction is just suddenly woken up by the sound of equipment running shortly after. I don't know. That's, that's again, a little bit suspicious. The neighborhood, I'm sorry, the neighbor did actually try to like, she got up to check and she didn't go toward the site, but she opened her back door and said as soon as she opened the door, the noise stopped. So she just assumed that they were moving the equipment. She even asked the crew the very next day if they left the keys to the equipment on site and they said that they did, but they were hidden. So Barry probably knew where those keys were as he's the owner of that company. Police thought so too. So they went and set up camp on May 21st and searched for three days, even tearing into the foundation. But there was no sign of Suzanne at all. May 10th, no one is able to reach her. Okay, we're back on May 10th. No one can reach her. That's when at 545, Janine calls you know, gets, I'm sorry, she gets the call and again reports claims that her daughters called and others said Barry called, but the truth finally came out. It was Barry asking her to please go check on Suzanne, but specifically the bike. And that was mentioned in the call. Barry made sure to mention that. We'll, we'll get to this. The bike, helmet, and personal item were found in a ravine that same day of everything less than a mile from the Morphew home. It was shared that the wheels weren't bent, nothing was torn up on the bike, and there were no signs of a struggle, at least by like claims of people, leading many to believe that this seems kind of like foul play, seeing as how if some are stating her bike had no damage, then like how an animal would it like something something had to have happened so almost like maybe it was placed there you don't get work on it well we'll talk about some ideas barry says he was 150 miles away you know he's in denver loading tools into a room yeah that's right he uh he's loading these tools for this job in denver in holiday and express 
because it was really important for this construction job that he had to get this done. You know, he was starting to, uh, I'm sorry, which was, he, this this job was starting the next week, so he needed to get there and start to, you know, get everything set up. This is why he claims that he was gone on Mother's Day. When he had to leave in a rush, you know, due to his wife vanishing, he called one of his constru- contractors to take over. In an interview with DailyMail.com, that contractor, whose name is Jeff Puckett, he stated, I got there Sunday night and the room smelled like chlorine. Real bad. It was his room. He'd taken a shower. His towels were all over the floor. And they, he said that they were soaking wet. Now, a manager at Holiday Inn confirmed to the Daily Mail that they do not use chlorine, though, to, like, clean their rooms or anything. So, a little bit, a little bit suspicious there, Barry. What you doing? Did you just go swimming? Yeah, I like to go swimming, too. Especially, like, you know, in May. In Florida, though. I don't know about Colorado. I don't know what it's like weather-wise in May in Colorado. And, uh... They did give security footage to the police. So Holiday Inn was very like, here, you know, this is what we have, but this is also what we don't do. Jeff also said that he found some personal mail in the room belonging to Barry, including a letter about a property property insurance of his, which he then was like, here, this is for you to the FBI. Barry told police and family that he was gone on Mother's Day for that urgent landscaping job and specifically said he wanted to get his tools into the room ahead of time. But when Jeff got to the room, there weren't really any tools and it didn't seem like a job was going to be happening. Jeff even waited at the hotel for, I think it's about two days, but he never went to an actual job site. Jeff said, it's kind of weird. My first thought was that this must be like an alibi. That's at least to what it felt like. That is what Jeff Puckett says. Barry's story didn't match up either with the data collected from his truck. Barry's wife of almost 30 years disappears and he didn't put anything up around town, you know, like pictures, posters, nothing. No, mm mm-mm. The way that I feel like you would do, I would do. Most people do that. I mean, even, again, Scott Peterson was out there like, I need her, I need her, I need to know where she's at. And yeah, but I mean, we know he was guilty as fuck. Um, You know, but he's not doing that. Barry's just, no. Uh, (laughs) Instead, on May 12th, Barry knocked on the window of a store near their home and handed the store manager a note that said, baby blue bike helmet biker's clothing and that's all the note read and that's all she wrote sorry that's an old firehouse song he didn't make a plea though to the public for information on her disappearance for a bit as we know he waited a week before he released that very short super heartfelt just (laughs) video I don't know why I just did a country kind of twang accent there. Uh, but, you know, he, he he waited about a week. But also, when he released this video, it was on Facebook. So that's just, that's a way to go about it, you know. It's not like the media is covering this shit, Barry. The video seems absolutely rehearsed, and he doesn't seem very emotional. He just seems unbothered. In late May, Barry ran into a YouTuber by the name of Tyson Draper, and they had a strange interaction. A video shows Barry walking, saying, So we've searched a 200-mile radius. All of the mountains have been covered so far, but obviously we're going to miss things. And he describes where Suzanne's bike was found. He also claimed that the bike was destroyed saying something was wrong with the front wheel, and then he quickly just changed the subject. He also told Tyson where he was that Sunday, that his wife, you know, when she disappeared, where where he was at. 
Tyson believes he saw Barry searching the day before his encounter, even saying he looked very distraught and was wet and cold. Barry told Tyson as well about his own theories of like what had happened to Suzanne. Meanwhile, though, Tyson and Barry don't actually know each other at all. Barry is just saying all of this without even knowing who Tyson is. Okay, we're going to keep kind of moving around here and then it just, it's going to, it's going to kind of shift. On June 1st, Barry filed for guardianship in Indiana, where the Morphews had lived until their move to Colorado in 2018. He really needed to, I guess, sell some of their real estate in Indiana. But in order to do that, he had to get this guardianship, which he did actually fucking receive. Like, this is crazy to me. Due to Suzanne being unable to be located. This was done less than a month after she disappeared, guys. The detectives searched the Morphew house for a week when Suzanne was first reported missing. They then came back within an, with another search warrant on July 9th, which, according to some sources, that's not easy to do unless there's probable cause. Investigators even went to Indiana in order to question Suzanne and Barry's friends and family that were there. When they spoke with her brother, Andy Mormon, he was surprised to hear that Barry had actually refused to take a polygraph. Andy was under the impression that Barry had been cooperating with detectives and had actually passed a lie detector and voice stress analysis test. Being told that Barry refused to take a lie detector test early on shocked him. On August 18th, Barry had a 25-minute phone call with Lauren Sharp from Fox 21. He wouldn't talk in person, though. He refused to also allow her to record the call. So basically, she just she could only take notes. Barry apparently has many theories about what may have happened to Suzanne. He believes one theory is that a mountain lion or an animal dragged her off of her bike and away from the scene. Again, law enforcement, however, does not think that this theory is probable by any means. Barry even mentioned to his brother-in-law a theory about a not-so-happy ex-employee who will come into play. He stated that he had to fire this employee and that he was on drugs and this resulted in you know what was going on and that he was afraid that this guy was gonna just do something even stating that you know he told the police about this ex-employee this super dangerous ex-employee now on this call with Barry that Lauren is having, he also claimed that the police are trying to cover the fact that they messed up the crime scene. And now they're trying to just blame him for Suzanne's disappearance. Like, what? I don't, I don't think that's how it works, Barry. When you look guilty, you just look guilty. But again, I don't want to do a social media tyrant here and go, oh no, I want you guys to make your own opinion, but you need to also hear all of the evidence, okay? Suzanne's brother has stated before that, like, before she went missing, he didn't think that Suzanne and Barry had any problems in their marriage. But, <laughs> wouldn't you know, since she's disappeared, He's learned new things about Barry and Suzanne's relationship. He believes that there's a friend she texted a lot and confided in, and that maybe things weren't as great as they seemed. Could it have been the friend that she was talking to that Saturday? I don't know. Barry is also worth $2 million, which could be motive if divorce or separation is on the table being threatened, being discussed, you know, the person who has more gets fearful, as we know, in these situations where instead of a divorce, they just kill. And we all know it doesn't work out for them. Instead, do the divorce, 
you have the money, do your best. Don't kill people and think that you're not going to get in trouble because the truth will always come out. Oh, I mean, it could take time, but it happens. Hopefully, most of the time, moving along. So he believes that, you know, there's that friend and he thinks that there could have been problems. And if divorce was discussed, then maybe, (laughs) maybe Barry needs to be looked at. Also, Suzanne beat non-Hodgkin's lymphoma when she was a teenager, but it did return in 2018. Bless her heart. And according to a friend on in Indiana, Suzanne wasn't doing well at the time with it coming back and just, there was a lot. She did, however, beat it again, receiving her last chemo treatment in October of 2019. She did, though, still go in for maintenance treatments, and she even had an upcoming appointment for that Monday, May 11th, the day after she just, poof, disappeared. So Barry is basically throwing out the theories of an animal attack, mainly a mountain lion, or a kidnapper uh, at this, you know, most likely this drug-crazed ex-employee. Yeah, you know, these are his theories. But he keeps saying that she's still alive as well. At least, you know, he's, he thinks this. But he didn't help her brother search for her in September if, if he believes that she's alive. Like, what's, what's going on there, Barry? Hey, what's up? You want to you wanna answer that? Because I'm a little curious, okay? And another thing. Barry is selling their home. The very one that Suzanne disappeared from. Now, Andy, Suzanne's brother, actually has a theory about what played out and happened to his sister. Andy told Dr. Phil on October 2nd that his sister was last seen getting a sandwich with Barry at 4 p.m. on Saturday. And remember, she's also texting her friend. And at midnight, that same night after she has gone ghost, basically, Somebody friended a bunch of guys in her area around, I guess, her age from her Facebook. So that seems fishy to him as she was not being, like, responding to anyone else and all of a sudden on Facebook. She, or he believes that she was killed after 4 p.m., after she was seen with Barry. And then her Facebook was manipulated at midnight and then she herself, her body, was hidden between midnight and 4 a.m. on Mother's Day. On October 4th, Barry agreed to talk to a reporter from Denver CBS local without cameras. Of course, Barry, of course, you know, you got to stay hidden. (sighs) He wanted to say how much he loved his wife, even showing and allowing pictures of cards from Suzanne telling him how much she loved him. Barry, my dude. Yo, do, do you not have anything showing your love for her? Because that seems like, you know, I love her so much. Look at how much she loves me. We love each other. If you couldn't get like, what he is trying to show himself as a very innocent human that she loved very much. He also said he thinks that Suzanne might have been kidnapped from their home now. Yet he's going to freaking sell it. Anywho's. Leaving his family so afraid to live there that, bum, 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 it's now on the market. The home is listed for almost $1.8 million. Yeah, you heard me, right? I can't even fathom that number, but that's, that's what it is. Now, Andy believes Suzanne may have actually been killed in the house as well. Like, you know, Barry thinks kidnapped, Andy thinks murder. Let's get into it. It it may be a bit tough to sell this house if you, you know, ask me. Because, first of all, you know, <laughs> Suzanne went missing. Like, from when she lived here. What if she is still alive? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure, but what if she is? What, is she going to come back to that house? 
It just seems so suspicious that Barry is selling it. Okay, I'm sorry. Let me get back on this case because I am spiraling. Another thing is when Suzanne went missing on May 10th, he told everyone that she was killed by a mountain lion. Like, that's just what he stated. And then also, for seven days, he didn't have anything official to say to the public or media or basically anyone of standing that would come to him. He was just, nope, didn't want to do it. But then he released the very short plea to Suzanne on a pre-recorded, rehearsed video. Even believing or hinting maybe at a possible ransom that would be coming, maybe a kidnapping scenario in this video. Now, if you think that your wife is kidnapped or that you're going to have to like, you know, that she's alive, that there is a chance. Are you going to actually file for guardianship less than a month after she disappears? Only 21 days later. Guardianship is basically deeming her incapacitated. Instead of trying to find her, Barry, you're just going to start liquidating shit? That is obviously, that's not suspicious. No. Totally normal. Totes my goats, Barry. Totes my goats. The document declares Suzanne incapacitated under Indiana law. This form requires two close family members to sign off on. Barry first asked Suzanne's father, asking him to pretty much agree that his daughter was legally dead within a few weeks after she disappeared. Of course, he said no. Barry's oldest daughter then signed off on the document. Since all of this, friends and family, and even some of Barry's former employees have shared new information about what was happening before she disappeared and also right after. Now, when his friends and Suzanne friends and family start talking, a lot of stuff doesn't match with Barry's story. We know on May 9th, that Suzanne was texting with her friend about a wedding that they were both planning on attending. And then suddenly her messages just stop. We also know of the neighbor who lived next door to the construction site of Barry's company. She was woken up when she heard equipment going in the middle of the night. And upon checking, the noise ceased. Police searched the area for three days in May. They even tore into the construction site and still found nothing. Now, in September, Andy led a massive five-day search, which, again, we both, I've discussed this. We all know, I say both as in, like, I'm talking to you, the listener. But we know that Barry did not participate with this, but hundreds of others did. The support of YouTube channel Profiling Evil Andy actually ended up recruiting volunteers through that. They had hikers, cave divers, um, ca uh, cadaver dogs. Like, was that was it cave divers? I think that just a lot. There were a lot of people, which is amazing. But not Barry. Barry? No. Why would he be there? Andy said that the dogs picked up a scent or showed interest in a plot of land that Barry owns near Poncho Springs. They also showed interest in an area near that construction site of Barry's. The same one the neighbor heard the noises coming from in the middle of the night. A former employee, Morgan Gentile, told Fox 21 that Barry was acting strange about that area the day before Suzanne actually disappeared even stopping work that Saturday at 11 a.m. saying that he had to go make the wife happy and go hiking and biking. Andy also said that the CBI are processing three other pieces of evidence that they found in their search. A tarp, a towel, and a blanket that they found on the trails near the Morphew house. Barry says that when he left at 5 a.m., the morning of May 10th, Suzanne was sleeping. Okay. Okay. Remember, though, because, you know, he had to leave at 5 for the job in Denver, which originally was claimed to be firefighter training, and that was since redacted, basically, and or retracted, and now it's this. 
Um, so, you know, it's, it's confusing telling one person this and others that. Okay, his stories are on point. So he's trustworthy. We know this now. Um, Nancy Grace reported that Morgan heard Barry's truck outside of her apartment around 4 a.m. that morning and was texting her and the other contractor. You guys remember Jeff Puckett? Yeah, that contractor. He was telling them about the job that they had. Now, he says that he wanted to get there early to store the tools and equipment in the hotel room at the Holiday Inn Express. But then at 6 p.m., his daughters actually call him saying that they were worried about their mom as no one could get a hold of her. And this is how, you know, this is when we actually find out that Barry is the one who calls Janine after receiving the call from his daughters, asking if she'll go to the house and check on Suzanne. When she came back, she told him that both the cars were in the garage. He then asked her to go back and check and see if Suzanne's bike was there, which we know it wasn't. That's where the theory of Suzanne going missing while on a bike ride is started as we know. Morgan told Fox 21 about this project that they had out near Denver. It wasn't really much of anything, by the way, guys. Barry told her he had been up there all day, getting the job ready for them, but it didn't really seem like that was true. Barry, my dude. Bro, you are looking a little, like, for real suspicious. Then... As we know, Jeff says that when he got there, there was an overwhelming smell of chlorine in the room and towels were all over the floor. And he even believed that this was done for an alibi. Morgan agrees with Jeff as well, even stating that she smelled the chlorine and it caused her eyes to burn and water and that towels were indeed on the floor, yet he made the bed. Like, well, he had attempted to make it in his own way. It wasn't done like the hotel had done it. It was done like somebody had done it themselves. So he leaves the towels that are soaking wet, but he makes the bed. Okay. Andy claims also that investigators told him there was a strong smell of bleach in the Morpheus house when they searched right after Suzanne went missing. Barry has said that he knew there were cameras all over the hotel, and he was confident that they would see no evidence of him doing anything wrong. Police have now asked businesses around the hotel for all of their CCTV footage from that weekend. Now, originally, people believed Morgan and Barry may have been having an affair. However, they have both denied this. Morgan has also completely cooperated with police. She's the one who actually told police that no materials arrived for that job in Denver. You know, the materials and tools that Barry was adamant and so important that he needed to take there on that Sunday. Yeah, they weren't there. She says two men actually approached her, a friend of Barry's and a family member of his, and they told her, we will give you your paycheck, but we don't want it to look like it's hush-hush money saying she doesn't need to give the CBI her phone. She has said she hasn't taken a polygraph, but it seems like Barry may be upset with her and Jeff now for sharing all of their information that they, you know, for cooperating. Yeah, she might not have taken a polygraph yet, but she doesn't mind. You know, I mean, they're, Jeff and Morgan are cooperating, which of course Barry's like, all right, screw you guys. Barry says, that she's mad at him because he fired her. So this means her and Jeff won't say anything good about him. But Barry, my, again, my dude, why'd you fire her? She and Jeff were still your contractors when Suzanne disappeared. And what, now because they're cooperating, you just, you're fired, get out of here. I don't know what that, what that was, but it happened. We're here now, okay? We're here now. Um, Morgan states that he actually fired her because she turned over her phone and isn't staying silent. Even stating she is scared of Barry and never, <clears throat> ever wants to see him again. Sorry, guys. 
Barry says he is cooperating with the investigation, although he's refused to take a polygraph. Law enforcement has searched the home twice now, but haven't released any additional information. There are officially no suspects in Suzanne's disappearance. Investigators have reviewed more than a thousand tips and had 180 interviews, more than 130 searches, spending over 4,000 hours to find what out, what happened to Suzanne Morphew. Now, again, I don't want to make a, a trial by social media for Barry, but I do need to say, and maybe you will agree, Barry seems suspicious as fuck, okay? Like, <laughs> you can't tell me I'm wrong. Like, the dude first states he's going to Denver. Like, we know the place he says is true. He's going, well, it's just outside of Denver, but I'm using Denver as a marker city. He claims he's going to Denver first, you know, initially for this firefighter training course. But then the chief says, no, no, see, like, we're not, we're not doing those because of the pandemic. He told me he was going for a job. And then this is now the narrative there. He goes to Holiday Inn Express. He needs to put these tools up that are so important. Yet, when Jeff and Morgan arrive, guess what? There's no tools. There doesn't even seem to be a job. There's the smell of chlorine, which honestly also could be bleach maybe. I know that's a very strong smell there. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a, yeah, you didn't know the smell. There's also that same smell in the house when it's searched directly after Suzanne disappears. Then Barry talks about how he instantly, once Suzanne disappears, he starts telling close people she was killed by a mountain lion. And then it just goes to a theory. And, you know, then he thinks there's a ex-employee that came into the home and kidnapped her and just planted everything. Barry, dude, I don't know. I think you need a lawyer. That's all I'm going to say. I think at some point you will become a person of interest. But that's just my thoughts. And if I am wrong, then I am wrong. It's just how it looks. Sorry if you guys heard that. (laughs) I just had a, a call come through. Anyways, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. I'm sending you good vibes and happiness. I love you guys. You can send me an email at whattheactualeffharmony at gmail.com. If you have true crimes you'd like me to look into, if you know some paranormal things, if you have stories of your own that you would like me to share, I am trying to collect as many as I can because I'd like to start doing segments where I share your stories be it your own conspiracies you know of, creepy things that have happened to you, just send them in. Who knows? Maybe I'll read it. I love you guys. Enjoy your day. Bye. Talk to you next time.